Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. 2 Peter chapter number 1 as we continue looking at adding to our faith this afternoon. I hope that you were encouraged by what you heard this morning, but this afternoon I kind of want us to be able to have a little bit more of what adding to your faith looks like. And the blessing for me as a pastor is I don't have to manufacture several points about what adding to your faith looks like. The Word of God gives us the answer to what adding to your faith is. This building upon line upon line and precept upon precept, this idea that there is a maturity that comes to faith in our life. And that's something that I really want us to be able to look at, not just this afternoon, but to continue looking at over the next few weeks and months. And we left off this morning with the phrase, and beside this, which reminded us with all the preciousness, could I put it that way? With all the preciousness that we saw in those first four verses, there's more to come. That there is more that God wants us to have when it comes to this Christian life and there's more that He wants us to have when it comes to faith. And I can guarantee you that God wants this more often than we do for ourselves. Is that very often that God is the one who has this great desire for us to add to our faith and it's we who oftentimes in our lethargy, in our laziness, or maybe even just from a lack of knowledge, uh, do not add to our faith as we should. And I hope this afternoon as we look at some of this that it will give us a help and will give us some encouragement uh, for not just something to look at over the next week or two, but for something for us to be able to consider over this entire year. And again, God has blessed us over this last year. God has done some incredible things through this theme forward. And I can only imagine if we truly apply these things to our life over this next year, how God could continue to grow us and how God can continue to do great things. And it was great to see such a full house here today. Uh, we've had plenty of New Year's celebrations where that's not been the case. It's awfully, uh, obviously a difficult time of year between health and travel and different things that take place, especially when we hold it the week before. Uh, but to be able to see so many people today just reminded me God's at work here, but that we can't take that for granted. And that God being at work does not necessarily equate with numbers, but that God being at work means that each of our hearts are trying to add to our faith, and then God will take care of the results as we just try to take care of what God's trying to do within us. So let's go ahead and stand, please, for the reading of God's Word this afternoon. I'm going to give you one more chance to stand up, stretch out, let them sandwiches kind of get way down there in the gullet there for just a second. Yes, I said sandwiches, all right? That's what I said, all right? I'm going to Oklahoma here for the next few days. i got to learn how to not talk right again, all right? So... Um, did that slip out? All right. Uh, tell me I'm wrong, Brother Dan. Okay, good. Thank you. This is a true saying and worthy of all acceptation. All right. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. This isn't my message. I didn't even get to mention this this morning. Do you realize that the more we learn of God, the greater portion we have of grace and peace? It says that right there. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The more we learn of Jesus, the more settled our heart is. That'd be a great message sometime, just not this afternoon, all right? According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, 
that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, I hope by reading those first four verses again, a few different verses stuck out to you from the preaching than what did when we first read it in the morning. But continuing on, it says this in verse 5, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. You may be seated as we have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I do thank you again for this afternoon. As we've already mentioned before, I pray that you would uh, uh, tune our hearts to sing your praise, that you would help our minds to be able to listen to the word, and most importantly, listen to the Spirit as, as he desires to apply the word to our lives. Uh, I pray that you would use this time. Uh, this is not a filler time. We're not just having an afternoon service because we have to have another service. Lord, we desire to hear from you, and I pray that would be what takes place during this time, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we did leave off in verse number five where it says, and beside this, but we would continue on by saying not just beside this, before we get to those things that should be added to our faith, there's another phrase that does stick out to us here, and it's this, giving all diligence. That means that there's an urgency to what we're speaking about here this afternoon. Giving all diligence means that this is not something we're to be lackadaisical about. This is something that is very important for us to do in our Christian life. If we're not careful, this theme, add to your faith, might just be something that we get in our minds that, well, you know, if you have nothing else to do in your Christian life, maybe it would be good to add to your faith. You know, the phrase, giving all diligence, tells us this is something that we need to be doing, that are having our attention drawn to it now through this text, but it's something that is required of us in the Christian life to be able to add to the faith and not to just, again, have it to be something that's on the wall that we think is pretty, but to be something that's active within our life and our day-to-day -day basis. So it says, giving all diligence. Now that word diligence, according to the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, is a steady application in business of any kind. Constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth. Due attention. Industry. Now I'm going to say that again because that's a, a very long definition. Application or steady application in business of any kind. Constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth. Due attention or industry. And what's interesting about this word diligence is that diligence is not necessarily about speed. I think oftentimes when we think about doing something diligently, we think about doing something quickly. But diligently is not as much about speed as it is about steady persistence. About, could we put it this way? Just plugging away. Again, sometimes I feel like as we try to compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise, 2 Corinthians tells us, but as we compare ourselves among ourselves, we feel like we need to be moving quicker in the Christian life. And certainly I'm not against having speed moving forward in your walk in your Christian life, but God is much more pleased with a steady walk than he is a sprint that constantly stops every few days because you only get so far and then you're going to stop for a month and then you get so far and you're going to stop for a month again. I've dealt with that running for the past couple years because I I've been so desirous to be speedy before I had my surgery, uh, I could run at a fairly decent clip, uh, but I haven't found myself to be able to do that. But I'm pushing myself far too much to try to be fast until I realized just that just a little bit ago, you know, I don't need to be fast. I just need to do it. 
And so I've constantly reminded myself through a treadmill, actually, to be able to go quite slow, at least for what I have done in the past. And you know what I found? That as I've slowed down and just been diligent, I'm able to do much more than I was when I would run decently fast for about a week, and then I had to quit for a month because my leg couldn't handle it. It's interesting, there's a, a lady in Mansfield, and if you live in that area, maybe you even know who I'm talking about, or you know her. I, I walk once a week or so around Mansfield, that general area, sometimes around here in Easton. But there's a woman who runs, she's an older woman, uh, and when I say she runs, she's really not running as much as walking with running motions. Maybe you've seen her before. Uh, and, and you say, well, Pastor, are you making fun of her? Quite the opposite. I have seen this woman out there for years as long as I have been paying attention. And it's obvious that it's very difficult for her to be able to go out and do what she does. But not only is she going out there and doing it, she's doing it at a speed she's able to, she's consistent, and get this, she actually looks like she's enjoying it. I mean, that's a miracle in and of itself, isn't it? But I'll tell you, instead of maybe your thought is, is he, is he mocking her? Or, no, quite the opposite. There's a great amount of admiration that I have for her. And it encourages me, quite honestly, to say, she's still at it. She's still going. She probably has an excuse to stop. She probably has several excuses to stop. But she's going to do the very best she can. What I'm seeing is someone who's diligent. And I think oftentimes in our Christian life, again, that we're looking for speed when God is really looking for diligence. Daily growth, even in very small steps, but daily moving forward. That's why it's adding to your faith and not subtracting to your faith. It's daily adding. It's daily working on being a better person, not for my own sake, but for the sake of Christ and for the sake of His ministry. And as we do that with that goal in mind, we find out we are better for the life that God has called us to do as well. Diligence. Uh, and by the way, it's, it's not just myself who thinks that there's some spiritual comparisons with this moving quickly and then dying out. Jesus talked about it. That's the parable of the soils, isn't it? He talked about the soil where there was something that would rise up very quickly, uh, but then it would die just as quick because there was no, here's the word, depth. There was no depth. Uh, and listen, we want to make sure that when it comes to our Christian life that we take time to build that depth, building under the baseline to make sure that it's not just about what people see, but it's making sure that we're doing things that are pleasing and honoring to God. That's diligence. And that's what we see here, giving all diligence. But then it gets to... Well, the meat of what we've been really leading up to, the last message and some change here, adding to our faith. So now we get to the point where we have to look at what does it mean to add to our faith? This is what we're to be doing with diligence. But before we mention these seven characteristics, it's worthy to remind ourselves again that faith is not the end, it's the beginning. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But as you go through Hebrews chapter 11, you find that faith was a very active force in the life of all of those men and women who were listed there. That faith was not just a moment in time in their life, but rather faith was a lifestyle in which they lived in constantly trusting God and listening to His voice in their life. And our faith should grow as believers, and in the same way, we're to grow in our faith as believers at the same time. So we're to grow as believers, but that means our faith should be growing as we grow as believers. So when we say we need to grow as believers, what we really need to be saying, or I'm saying we shouldn't say this, but what we're saying in essence is our faith is to grow. Growing in trusting Him, growing in listening to Him, growing in listening to His voice and not our own. And this is how we add to our faith. And so this afternoon, there are these characteristics that we find here, these seven characteristics. I wish 
that we could do a deep dive on all of these this afternoon, but I'm already on the verge of losing everybody. I'm already on the verge of losing myself. And so I got to make sure that we are not necessarily going deeply into these, but I will say this over the series that we do this year, we will have messages on each of these characteristics here because I think it's important we don't just gloss over them because we're to add to our faith these specific things. I have to be careful as a pastor not to just say, you know what we do to add to our faith? It outreach to our faith. Add to our faith. You know what we need to do? We need to add service to our faith. Add to our faith. You know what we need to do? Add tithing to our faith. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things, but we probably ought to go with what God said to add to our faith and look at those things and consider those things. And I have a feeling the more we add to our faith in this way, a lot of those other things work themselves out. Because if you're growing in faith, tithing's not that hard because you're just going to trust God that He's going to take care of your finances. If you're growing in your faith, you want to tell other people about your faith because it's so exciting about what God's doing. But the pastors, or should I say my temptation, is to just say add to your faith and just add a bunch of stuff. But this is so much more than that. This isn't as much about doing as it is about being. Let me say it again. This is as much about doing as it is about being. And as we be, then we do. That makes sense? Just shake your heads like this. All right, good. All right. Uh, number one, what do we need to do? Uh, the first characteristic is virtue is virtue. And again, I'm going to go over these very quickly. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. Uh, the word virtue simply means this, moral goodness. Moral goodness. Uh, we should be, as believers, the most virtuous person on our street, in our workplace. We should be the most virtuous person in our workplace. Uh, in our families, other than other believers, we should be the most virtuous people in our families. What am I saying? Sometimes there are people who are moral but lost who are much more moral than believers are. We have to be careful about that. If we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, if He lives within us, part of our faith should be that that faith is acting out in a virtuous way. This is really just putting our feet to the fire. Saying This is why it's almost the very basic level of adding, because it's saying this, this virtue is you acting in a way that you say that you are. It's you acting in a way that you say that you are. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, we have to act like a believer in Jesus Christ. That name Christian means little Christ. It means that there's a Christ-likeness that's to be within us. And so as such, we need to be people who are virtuous. Over this next 12 months, what should we be adding to our Christian life? Virtue. By the way, it's better than, than just 12 months. It's a lifetime pursuit. But as we have this emphasis over the next 12 months, there should be some emphasis on virtue. What about this? Knowledge. Knowledge. And to virtue, knowledge. We just saw just a few moments ago that grace and peace are multiplied through the knowledge of God. That, that knowledge of God is a vessel. Listen, just reading this morning the psalm as we got into the time of worship, and I hope that you followed along as we read, because reading only gives you part of the comprehension, or listening to it audibly only gives you part of the comprehension compared to actually reading it as well in your own Bible. But how could you not read something like that this morning, uh, uh, read the psalm, and get to the point where you weren't filled with peace? I mean, if you're truly considering these words, grace, the idea of I'm learning about God, I'm learning about His blessed characteristics. We need to learn more about Him. By the way, I'm not just talking about general Bible knowledge, although that is good to a point. We should understand the Bible. We preach the Bible. We want to learn the Bible. We want to learn it from cover to cover. But at the same time, what about your knowledge of Him? That's a lot different, isn't it? 
Now, it shouldn't be because Jesus Christ is the Word. But at the same time, our knowledge of who He is. Now, where does that come from? It comes from the Word of God. Uh, but, but again, th this book is not just a puzzle book for us to try to figure out uh, this puzzle or that puzzle. It's a book that reveals God for us. It's His revelation. It's all revelation, not just book number 66, but books number 1 through 65 as well. And so as we read that, we want to be filled with the knowledge of His Word, but particularly of the knowledge of Him, just of what He's revealed to us. And, and what He's revealed to us of Himself is the hem of the garment. But just of what He's revealed is enough to keep us busy the rest of our lives. And the more we learn of Him, do you know what that means? It grows our faith. Because as we realize how big He is, and also how small we are, now, we're blessed. We're created by God. I'm not saying that we're not unique and we're not special to God. But what I'm saying is in relation to God, how small we are, that knowledge should only help us to grow in our faith. We ought to grow in knowledge in 2024. What about temperance? It says, and uh, to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. Uh, temperage, temperance rather is self-discipline and self-restraint. We talked about that a little bit this morning as we were talking about our conscience in Sunday school and talking about the fact that there is this need for self-discipline or self-control in the Christian life. But it is not done unless we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us at the same time. It's a two-part process is that we die to self, but then we obey the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. As we do so together, we're able to grow. Listen, there should be some temperance in our lives. That, that's why these vices that I mentioned even this morning, that some people will struggle with quitting smoking, or some people will struggle uh, even with marijuana, and some people will struggle with vaping. And, and listening, listen, one of the, the greatest epidemics that we have in our country right now is gambling. It's exploding in our country. You only have to watch television for about three seconds to find out how many different gambling sites and apps there are that are out there. And what's amazing to me, this should be the sign that there's something wrong with it right from the beginning, is that when they show the advertisement, uh, they have uh, letters that are about this big telling you over three quarters of the screen how bad it is. Look, if so if something advertises itself, and it says, do you have a problem, call? It's a good idea. Don't get involved in that. I mean, that, that's probably a good sign that, 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 that you shouldn't be involved in that in the first place, uh, whether it's gambling or, or, or smoking or, or even alcohol. We see these things from the Word of God. Friend, this could be the year that God can give you victory. That's what temperance is all about. You Maybe you heard the temperance movement over 100 years ago. You know what that was? Stopping drinking. People saying, look, alcohol is not something uh, that we need to consume. But temperance is so much more than that. Temperance is, I am not going to be self-controlled as much as I'm going to be God-controlled. I die to self and my desires and my opinions. And it could be that maybe you're holding on to certain things and you need to die to your opinions on that thing and get into the Word of God maybe this year and say, what does the Bible say about that issue? Say, well, how do I do that? Well, Start reading and start looking for verses, praying for guidance and uh, finding good resources. And certainly I'd be glad to help you with resources. Others would as well be able to help you. But we need to grow in temperance in 2024. Uh, here's something. Patience. Patience. I'm looking at an extremely patient crowd. I would say Baptists are more patient than most because if you can listen to a pastor preach for 40 to 50 minutes, there is some level of patience within you. There's no doubt of that in my mind. But at the same time, 
we are to grow in patience. And let's be honest, we're not as patient as we like to think that we are. We want what we want and we want it now. I love watching advertisements from 50, 60, 70 years ago where they would show modern conveniences and families that are sitting around the table and they say this, now because of this microwave or now because of this dishwasher or now because of this washer and dryer, we have so much more time to blank. And I look at all the conveniences that we have and I ask myself this, where did all that time go? We just filled it with more junk. I mean, wash day is it used to be uh, is something that we can do in a fairly short period of time now because of modern conveniences. But I don't feel like we're just sitting around all day saying, hey, we've got nothing to do because of that automatic washer and dryer we got back there. No, I would say to you, because of all of these conveniences, we have become more impatient, not less. That's why if people are sitting around for five minutes, they have to have a phone in their hand. Did I say five minutes? I meant five seconds. And I'm not even trying to be funny about that because that's as long as it takes. It's a reflex. People say, oh, I gotta, I gotta look at this. I gotta take it. We just gotta be patient. There are times I have to remind myself, oh, I don't need a phone in my hand. I don't need to listen to something. Be patient. Wait upon the Lord. By the way, it's hard to listen to the Lord's voice when you've got every other voice in the world speaking to you or coming through the, and again, there are some very good uses for this, but there's a lot, of, a lot more that are not so good. And we have to be careful. What does patience look like? Well, we should be patient in trials. Romans 12, 12 says rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Maybe you need to grow in your patience in trials this year. What about patience with others? Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. That's certainly not something that's complimentary, to be patient with others. How about this? Be patient on God. We sometimes don't think that that's something that's necessary, but the longer I get in the Christian life, the more I realize that God's timeline and my timeline don't match, and that I need to rest upon God's time and less upon my time. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You know what that means? The wicked who prospereth in the way is taking shortcuts. No, that's what they're doing. They're not following what God has said for them in their life. They're taking shortcuts. And we look at them and say, well, look at how far they're getting. And I'm trying to serve the Lord and look at this. I can't even get this taken care of and that taken care of. Slow down. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. And maybe that's something that needs to be added to your faith in 2024. What about this? Godliness. It says, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Godliness, having that quality of God-likeness in our life to try to take on his characteristics, knowing that we ourselves are not divinity, but yet at the same time trying to be partakers of that divine nature, godliness within us. Listen, everyone should love 1 Timothy 4.8. Are you ready? Bodily exercise profiteth little. Wouldn't it be great if we just stopped there? But bodily exercise profiteth little. I remember I talked with my friend David about this in the past, who, who was, was a big, did a lot of weights and stuff. I'd say, bodily exercise profits little. He says, he, he says, but it does profit. I said, but it profits little. He said, but it does profit. We never really figured out who. Um, <laughs> it, it, but it does profit. Bodily exercise does have a profit. But at the same time, there's this overemphasis in our society today 
on physical care, but yet a great underemphasis on spiritual care. So let's look at that again. Bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Here's what it means. Bodily exercise only helps you in certain areas of your life. Wouldn't it be great if you could weight lift and all of a sudden you could do math like an expert? In fact, I've usually found that they don't go to get... No, anyway. Um, anyway, no, that's just, that's just the guys that lift weights. But anyway, um, the, the idea is you can't lift uh, heavy weights and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're doing you know, trigonometry. It doesn't translate one to the other. But it says godliness is profitable in all things. Do you know where godliness will help you? Every area of your life. Where bodily exercise will only profit in a certain area of your life, although it does profit, it only helps in a certain area. Godliness is profitable for every single area of your life. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, so just a couple chapters later, but godliness with contentment is great gain. By the way, these are the real gains, not the ones with the weights. Godliness with contentment. Because, because listen, if you have the Lord's characteristics in your life, and that's enough for you, contentment, what else do you need? Literally, what else do you need? You could live on a shack, probably in the shack. Don't live on the shack. That means you'd be on the roof. But you could live on, you could live on the shack. You could live in the shack. You could live outside the shack. Uh, whatever preposition you want to put it there. You could live uh, any of those areas, and it doesn't matter because you have godliness and contentment, and you have gained more than those who have big bank accounts and empty hearts and souls. So we add to our faith. We add to our faith godliness. We resist this oftenly, oftentimes because the path of living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world does bring pain. It does bring pain at times. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We have to deny self. We're encouraging the world's mockery of us. And so because of that, we don't want to live godly. I mean, listen, it should, just be, it should just be something that is so reasonable for us to live godly, but yet we resist against it. Why? Because we don't want to deny ourselves and we don't want to have to deal with the ridicule of others. These are, this is what the Bible tells us. So we have to, to resist that and add to our faith, godliness. Number six, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, it says in uh, verse number um, uh, seven, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. Uh, that word brotherly kindness in the Greek is literally the word Philadelphia, one of the most unkind cities in the United States. Did I say that? Yes, I did. But yet that's what the word Philadelphia means. It means brotherly kindness. Do you know, there should be a warmth and camaraderie that comes with being in the house of God with the brethren. There should be a camaraderie that comes with being around our brothers and sisters in Christ. Something that we feel here that you're not going to get at the Y Something that you feel here that they're not going to get at the bar room. Something that you're going to get here that you're not going to get anywhere else. That you're going to get brotherly kindness. Because we have the same Father, our Heavenly Father, that we're able to come together and rejoice together. It's amazing to me, even over the last year, the, the folks who have been added to our church. And as such, it feels like they've been here many times for a long time. You know the reason why? is because we were in the same family didn't realize it. And so it's all good. 
it, it, it's good, brotherly kindness. By the way, this is not the place for grudges. This is not the place to, to, to grind axes with each other. And when there are difficulties, and there do come difficulties at times, because anytime people are around people, people act like people. But when those things come, do you know what we do? We don't handle it like the world does. Uh, we don't handle it like other groups do. No, we handle it like believers with brotherly kindness. By the way, uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 8 speaks of the requirements of the pastor. And it says one of the requirements of a pastor is to be a lover of good men. And that means this. There should be a desire to have time around other believers. This desire to be a lover of good men, to, to be able to be around other believers, to, to desire it. But if that's something for the pastor, I would also suggest to you it's something for all of us. To love being around the brethren, to have a joyfulness about it. Uh, listen, I would, I'm closer to many folks here than I am my own family. And it's not because I have a problem with my own family necessarily. It's just because, could I put it this way? We think on the same wavelength about a lot of things. Because we can talk about certain things where family members who aren't saved have no idea what you're talking about, but we understand because we have salvation in common with one another. And so there should be that brotherly kindness that we have here. This needs to be a church of brotherly kindness. And I think in many ways it is, but I think that it's something that we all have to work on individually as well. But then charity, charity. Last and certainly not least. In fact, last and first. But what I love about this, and I haven't really mentioned this yet, but do you notice how each of these builds upon the other? These are not just seven random characteristics. And I can't necessarily tell you why they are in such an order, but I can tell you there's some that I have probably a little bit more understanding of. I believe virtue is first because we ought to be living out our faith, not just having it on the inside, but on the outside. But I believe charity if we, if we were building a house, add to your faith, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and up it goes. For charity to be the capstone of all of those things, I believe the reason why is because, and have not charity, I'm sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal. That's 1 Corinthians 13. That if we were to have all knowledge and all understanding, and faith to remove mountains, and have not charity. It profiteth me nothing. So why do we need to add to our faith charity? Why is it the last one? It's like the capstone. It's all-encompassing. It's the final piece of the puzzle that must be in place, that we are to be charitable. And again, that word charity means love. In our King James Bible, the modern translations will just change it to love. And love is such a generic word. It's a word that means so many things and it means nothing all at the same time in today's society. But yet charity means this, the highest form of love. Charity means this, it's the type of love that gives expecting nothing in return. Just like when you give to a charity. You give to a charity not expecting that anything is going to come into return to you, you just donate because that's what you want to do. And charity, charitable love is such, I'm going to love that person whether they love me back or not. I'm going to love them whether it's reciprocated or not. You say, who would do something like that? Jesus. He loved us when we didn't love him. That's what the Bible says. He first loved us. And so we need to add to our faith charity. I'll be honest with you. 
and looking at these, you say, seven, that's, I mean, how much is that? When you start realizing the depth of each, and I'm not even really covering them this afternoon. I'm just trying to introduce them. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a taste in this afternoon. But the more you realize what these seven are, you realize, wow, there's a lot of adding that I can do in my life. There's a lot of work that can be done in my life. But what I like about this text is not just what we read here and what we need to add in verses five through seven, but it tells us there's a choice that has to be made. Do you realize by the time you leave here today, a choice has to be made? Now, thank the Lord if you make the wrong choice, God is gracious enough to forgive you and you can make the right choice. But you do have to make a choice. And it says in verse number eight, for if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. And here it is again, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that when we incorporate these things in our life, we actually have a much more full life than we would otherwise? That's why it just, it pains me when there are Christians who say, well, you follow these rules and these regulations and you live this way. I mean, what kind of life could you end up having? Well, listen, it's not necessarily about rules and regulations. It's simply about this. As I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, who is a Holy Spirit, by the way, as I follow Him and I do what He tells me to do, my life is not barren. It's abundant. And so often, I believe, Satan gets into our minds, well, if I do this for God, and if I do this for God, if I do this for God, if I come to church and I read my Bible and I try to win people to Christ, do all these things that you're talking about in church all the time, if I do all these things, stop, stop. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Work on that. All those other things will connect to these seven things over time. And there comes this time where you won't have to struggle with writing a tithe check because your faith is such that you just say, God's going to take care of me. In fact, you might even get to the point where you say, I enjoyed that. Now, if you've never given before to the Lord, you'd say, that's crazy. But those of you who have tried God and tested Him, and as Malachi said, the windows of heaven were opened, you realize it's a joy to give. But this isn't adding to your faith tithing. This is just adding to your faith. And as you do these things, those other things will come naturally. So you have a choice. We can, we can do these things and we can abound. But then verse number nine says this. Well, verse number eight says you could be barren and unfruitful. But verse number nine continues. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Do you know oftentimes why we don't add to our faith? We forgot what happened to us. We forgot where we've been. We forgot what he'd done to us. We forget that the good old days weren't actually as good as we thought they were. And so we start to think that some of those things that God saved us from maybe weren't so bad after all. And he says that as we get into that in our Christian life, he says that we are blind and cannot see afar off. So we have a choice. We actively add to our faith, not just because it's a 2024 theme, but it's because it's what Christ wants us to do. And we abound. Again, it doesn't have to be quick. It just needs to be diligent. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a small step today. It's going to be small, but I'm going to take a step. AJ likes to play a game sometimes that's called Mr. Bird. Mr. Bird, Mr. Bird, what time is it? Oh, now you don't want to talk in church. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So I would say 3 o'clock, and he has to take three big steps closer. And eventually he gets close enough that you say dinner time, and then you chase him, and he screams, and everyone's happy. What's the point of the game? Nobody knows, all right? But it's, it's a lot of fun. But sometimes if I, if I try to get him close right away, I'll say 12 o'clock, and he'll go like this. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Don't mess with this kid. That's all I'm going to say. All right, he knows what he's doing. Listen, you can take small steps in the Christian life, but you know what you're doing? Not to borrow from another theme, you're moving forward. You're still adding. You're moving forward. What scares me is the Christians that go like this and then go like this. And they go like this and then they go like this. Wouldn't it just be better to be the slow and steady one who wins the race? No, the race of life than it is to be the one that says, I got to be first. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. And then a month later, you can't, you can't find him anywhere. Move forward, slowly but surely. The one who can't do this is blind and cannot see afar off. I'm going to make reference to something I said this morning, and then we're going to be done. Um, I mentioned this morning there are some people who have this, this lack of power. They, 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 they're just barely living the Christian life, and that's it. And I said that's what, you know, what scares me. Is there's a lot of Christians in that sense. What maybe even scares me more than that is that most of the people in that situation don't even recognize it. They don't even realize it. Because it says if you don't, you're blind. You cannot see afar off. Meaning this, you think you're doing well, very possibly, and you're not. This, this is a spiritual Mr. Magoo syndrome. You think you're seeing one thing, and you're not actually seeing it at all. Let me use this as an illustration. When I was in sixth grade, I came to the understanding that I needed glasses. Now, back in those days, Back in those days, uh, kids were made fun of for wearing glasses. Now kids want glasses without actually having a prescription. It's amazing, unbelievable uh, how, how that's changed. But, uh, and back in those days, you wanted glasses as thin as possible so nobody could tell you had glasses, even though everybody could. And now we make them as thick as possible with the Coke bottle lenses. It's, it's like we've gone full circle. It's incredible. Um, but I remember needing glasses. My, my teacher says Adam's having trouble reading on the board. And so we went, we went uh, to the uh, Sears Optical. Remember Sears? Um, but uh, we went to the old Sears Optical, got glasses, had to wait for like a month for them to come back. And I remember putting them on. And I was in Sears. I was in the department store. And I'll be honest with you, they weren't that impressive. They really weren't because I'm standing in the department store. Oh, look, there's clothes. There's, you know, uh, there's a hairdresser. There's a photography department. Um, you know, that's, that's, I don't really see anything that, you know, seems that different than normal. But I remember the very next day, we're going to school, and mom says, you need your glasses. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I really didn't want to wear them because I was a sixth grader who was awkward and knew I was going to make fun of. And so I put them on, and I went outside to the car 
And my mom said she just saw me doing this. She says, Adam, what is it? I said, I can see leaves. <laughs> By the way, if you ever see me driving without my glasses, remember this story, okay? But I had never seen a tree where I could see the individual leaves. They were just green trees. I mean, I knew leaves existed, but I'm just saying I would never have been able to stand in the driveway and saw leaves. And I didn't know what I was missing until I put them on. You ever seen someone who's colorblind? And now they can actually make glasses that have a unique tint to your need that you can actually see colors, again, the full spectrum. And, you know, you ever, you ever, you ever want to get emotional, watch a video of someone who's maybe 40 or 50 years old who has been colorblind their whole life. They don't even understand the color wheel like we do. I mean, we take that for granted. And they put them on for the first time and watch their eyes. First, they grow as big as saucers and then the tears start coming because they realize, wow, there was so much I was missing. When I relate both of those stories to this, I feel like there's many of us who maybe don't even realize what we're missing in the abundant Christian life. Like, there's no desire because you don't even understand it. Because you're blind. Now, blind people can see, contrary to popular knowledge. People who are blind can see some things. It's it, it, Not everybody, but there are people that it's just blackness. There are others who can see shapes and forms. There's some who can see, but it's such a very limited amount of sight that legally they're considered blind because they really can't drive or anything like that. That's the issue. But, but, but do you realize there are some who are believers who are in this situation? And I have to wonder, and I'm going to ask you this morning, only you and the Holy Spirit know this. But does any of this maybe even not even ring true for you this morning or this afternoon because you've never even experienced it for yourself and you're blind? Spiritually, you think you're seeing okay, but you're not? That's concerning. And it requires some level of introspection. It requires us to be able to question ourselves. You say, oh, well, well, who are you to say that? We'll finish with verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, this is not speaking of our salvation, but it is speaking of our daily walk. Of our daily walk to make sure we are where God wants us to be. And as we consider 2024, what God wants to do in our lives, and I believe there's many great things. I believe there's families that can go to a whole nother level for Jesus Christ in 2024. I believe uh, that there are, are, are young people that will be able to stand for Christ in 2024. There are parents and families that will be able to see restoration in 2024, or maybe to see extended family or estranged family be brought back together. These are things that God can do, but maybe you don't even lack the vision to see it. You can't even conceive it because you haven't gone through the process of adding to your faith. And because of that, you're blind. 
Well, the good news is you can start today. It only requires a very small step. In fact, the first step might be just be to the altar, but then taking another step tomorrow, a little one, and another one the next day. And God will grow you and God will help you as you add to your faith. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.